Hello, hello, and welcome back to Moonbeaming, a podcast that talks about life from a philosophical, in-depth, psychological, energetic, and mystical lens. This show is for those who like their magic to be practical and their practices to be filled with intention and meaning. I'm your host, Sarah Faith Godestiner, artist, facilitator, and creator of The Moon Studio, a creative hub for education, ritual, as well as beautiful objects created with intention and consideration. And I am so, so thrilled to be back with you today. That's because we've got a great show filled with great 2023 preparation because I would like us all to be as prepared as possible. And today we're getting cosmic with our preparation. We are so lucky to have back to the show the one and only Anthony Parada, astrologer, poet, writer, editor, designer, stylist, friend. They are back for the second time. If you haven't checked out their previous episode, it's episode 78. Super awesome. Definitely check it out. And in this episode, Anthony provides an overview of some of the most potent astrological signatures in the first half-ish of 2023. Listen, there's a lot going on, a lot. And because we don't want to be here all day, we had to call it. We had to call the astro insights. So we called it around May. So today we're covering between about January to May. That's a, There's a lot. There's a lot there. There's a lot of signatures and shifts and changes astrologically that are going to affect us all year and beyond. And as usual, we want to go deep. That's what we do here over at Moonbeaming Headquarters. We are deep. We are thorough. So that's what we discuss. We talk about the Mars retrograde, the eclipse nodal access change to Aries and Libra. We talk about Saturn and Pisces, Pluto in Aquarius, and a little bit more for you. This is all to get you thinking about what might be on the horizon and to give you a little taste, a little sneak peek into an amazing workshop that Anthony is hosting through our studio this weekend. Tomorrow's the last day to sign up. Everyone who signs up gets the replay of course. If you're interested in collaborating with the stars in cosmic energy and transits, and you want to get clearer on what this could mean for you specifically and your loved ones, if you want to connect more dots and think about what you would like to put into motion and how some of this energy could be supportive for your intentions and your efforts, 
I highly suggest you take this upcoming workshop with Anthony. This is for all levels, for seekers, for the curious, for the skeptics. You know, the way Anthony thinks about and presents astrology, it's so refreshing. It's so poetic and beautiful and an invitation and an opportunity and also practical. Anthony breaks things down in really simple ways to understand with action items that are really useful. That's what I really appreciate about Anthony, among all of the other things. And that's what this workshop will be filled up with. So on to this overview, a deeper dive into some of the major astrological signatures of the first half of 2023. Hello, we are here, we're queer, (laughs) and we're going to talk about astrology with one of my favorite people, the wonderful artist, poet, astrologer, stylist, designer, curator, editor, writer, Anthony Parada. Welcome back to Moonbeaming. Oh my god, thank you. First of all, it's an honor to be back. So thank you very much for having me here. Super excited. Today, we are going to be talking about this year, 2023, in particular, the astrology of this year. And I really wanted to start with where we are now in January Mm -hmm. 2023. We have a Mars retrograde in Gemini. Mm -hmm. And right now, we also have a Mercury retrograde in an earth sign. What is your take on starting out the year with these like multiple personal planets in retrogrades? I mean, so the Mars retrograde we've been kind of experiencing for the past few months, right? It started last year in October, towards the end of October, right around Samhain, right? Perfectly timed. So for me, it's a call to a slower start, right? Like we have these arbitrary timelines and ideas of like what it means to like jolt into the new year, but the Gregorian new year to me doesn't really, it doesn't really exist. So when I look at these personal planets, it's kind of like an ask to reflect before you move forward, right? It's an opportunity to backtrack, to pinpoint like with Mars, like where we fuel our passions, how to have open dialogue, how to create space with grace and the idea of refinement, especially with that Mercury retrograde kind of happening right now. It highlights to me like reciprocity exchanges great and small and and the ways in which that we share our ideas and emotions with other people, like the intimacy that we form. Because it's so personal, it's really about the connections that we create. And thinking about that Mars retrograde happening in an air sign, it's all about connection to me. For the astrological overview in the Many Moons Guide, you wrote such a beautiful take on Mars and Gemini that I had to write down. You wrote, with Mars and Gemini, we understand that life is about process over progress, perception over perfection. Can you share more about that take? Yeah. So I view this a lot with Gemini energy in general, that to me, it's about 
sometimes the Gemini, we can get so caught up in the nitty gritty, similar to Virgo, right? Very mercurial energy. But it is really about letting go of the perfection in the process, right? So because a retrograde forces us to rehash, rework, or go back in some sense, we have to know that there is a refinement in that, but nothing is truly perfect. It doesn't actually exist, right? So perception versus perfection is what do you perceive to be right perfect enough for you in order to start getting those juices going in some way and what's quote perfect quote for you isn't perfect for somebody else either i went hard on researching the word perfect for virgo season because i was teaching a class on creativity and one of the entomologies or meanings of perfect means complete. It's complete. Nature is perfect. You're perfect. I'm perfect. Just as we are. Mm -hmm. So I also think that recalibrating what feels complete, especially with this exchange-oriented archetype of Gemini, where you're dialoguing with yourself, why do I like this? Or why do I need this to look this way? And I love that you brought in progress because as you know, and as I know, life is just about, I mean, you said this, I'm re-quoting you, it's about the process. It's, it's about how we're feeling while we're doing it, how we're channeling, how we're growing, what we're learning, which I really see with Mars and Gemini is this learning by doing, mm -hmm. doing, learning, that kind of exchange, you know? And I love that you brought up perfectionism because so often we're afraid to move forward, Mars, because of these, like you said, the little details, little nitty gritty. So I also think this is like such a great time to think about how you are going to take imperfect, bold action in your life or in the area of your chart that this is highlighting. So for the listeners at home, how can they find out mm where this might be activated. So this portion of the retrograde will be happening at the very closer to the earlier degrees of Gemini. So by the time it stations direct, it'll be around eight degrees. You know, degrees can be very difficult sometimes for people to understand. So generally in your chart, find where Gemini exists. Most likely that is going to be where the Mars retrograde, it's where it's happening and where it will continue to happen, station direct, and then it will move forward over the next couple of months as well, kind of helping us reprocess what we've just processed. 100%. I also want to just highlight for folks that in my humble relationship with Mars, Mars is so much about energy mm -hmm. and where we get our energy from. And Gemini to me is so much about difference and going beyond the box and going beyond the binary. Mm -hmm. So I think this is probably going to be a time where you're thinking about What's my motivation? Where do I get my energy from? If what is not like fueling your energy, your motivation, how do we explore and experiment, Gemini? How do we be curious about it instead of judgmental? And what do we have to cut or clear, Mars, ar around that, whether that be thoughts or belief systems or literal like movement or motion around how we want to take action around this imperfect 
messy, bold action. I think it's like such a great time also. This is also why I'm highlighting that quote of perfectionism, Anthony. Don't you think it's such a good time to look at where the inner critic, shame, blame, resentment shows up in your life and how it affects your relationships? Yes. And even maybe how we're dialoguing our grief too. Because if we think a little bit about Gemini and having that archetype around the communicator and the dialogue and Mars to me, I often view Mars as like this quote, active healing quote, right? It's like how we're moving through things. And so when we are in the process of grieving, one of the things I'm recognizing a lot with people who are coming to me for readings is that they're now in a place during this retrograde where they're actually feeling like they can slow down and stop and actually grieve things that may have happened to them earlier, early in the year, last year, maybe even the last Mars retrograde, which was in 2020, September to November. I mean... Right? <laughs> I'm so glad that people can't see our faces. We're all like... <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it, it is like, you know, what conversations are we having with ourselves around this? And maybe with other people too, right? Going back to that idea of perception. It's just something that's been a lot in my mind I think kind of coming up, my brain kind of thought about resourcing and like time as a resource is some of the things that I keep thinking about with Mars retrograde and how I kind of feel like one of the things that we're reevaluating is like where we're putting that time and energy and like where we're maybe quote scattering too much or maybe we're, we're not giving enough, right? Into things that we're interested in or passionate about. Can I just share one last share? Yes. And we'll, I mean, again, we could literally <laughs> just talk about there. this one transit for like five hours, but we've moving right along. Um, the other thing is you were talking, that's why I was like, I pinged when you said active healing. Wow. Because I often think about the archetype of Gemini as being the integrated shadow. Mm-hmm. And in order for our shadow to integrate, we need to dialogue with it and communicate with it and listen to it and see what gifts are there in that maybe pain or uncomfortable truth or abandonment. So I also really see this paired with the Mercury retrograde. I see it as almost like a soul retrieval period kicking off the year. What's your take on that? No, I absolutely love that. It's funny because I give mercurial energy, Virgo, third house, Gemini, all of that. I always call it learn, adapt, process, integrate. Moving through those energies. So of course, having Mercury retrograde and then Mars retrograde in a mercurial sign, Gemini, that's very much so what we're doing. So it's a soul retreat about what we've learned how we're adapting to the newfound information, how we're adapting to the rest, Mm. right? Mm. How we're processing it, what we're processing, and then how do you integrate it? And what is what does integration look like? Again, perception, perfection, integration looks different for different people too. It doesn't have to be even an action to integrate. Thank you so much for that too, because I was going to say, we don't necessarily have to, in quotes, like use or work with these transits, Often they just happen as we're living our lives. Mm -hmm. And I also think that like, again, not to get too granular in Gemini about all of this, (laughs) as you know, I'm very mercurial. There's this looking back, maybe getting new updated information about things that were happening earlier, particularly with that retrograde in September like being able to process, getting like updated, highlighted information, or if that's not happening, perhaps simply deciding 
to update your perspective. Mm-hmm. Because like sometimes you just got to say they were doing the best. I was doing the best. I love myself. I forgive myself. And we are integrating. Mm-hmm. Mm. So as you shared with January this month, it's going to probably feel like a slower start to this Gregorian calendar. But then, my friend, <laughs> oh, but then <laughs> things really start heating up in March, as far as I'm concerned. And I really wanted to start with highlighting this amazing, gorgeous, genius, talented, Charisma, uniqueness, nerve, nerve and talent, new moon and Aries at zero degrees. Yeah. So critical, right? Literally critical degree. It's interesting. This year we're going to receive two new moons in Aries. And so the first one, they, I always see whenever we have two lunations that piggyback off each other that way, it's like one begins and one either quote completes or carries on. And so when I think about the the first one that we have in March, this feels like literally like a cataclysmic start to something, like something's getting ignited so beautifully. And then, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but once we get to April, it's yeah. like add fuel to that fire because eclipses. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I want to, for folks who aren't, familiar with this zero degree. My understanding Mm -hmm. is that zero degrees, especially in a cardinal sign, especially in Aries, which is traditionally the first Mm -hmm. sign, it kind of sets the tone to all the cross quarter, like the cardinal signs. So like what we think about and what we initiate, again, I really want to underscore to folks with this being a chariot year and all the astrology going on, this is about initiation and about taking action and really going for it actively, right? However that looks for you. And I really think that this new moon, if there's one sort of like, underscore new moon of the year. Again, we know that life is what we make of it. New moons are what we make of it. But this is going to potentially be one that will, the themes and what we begin, we'll be able to look at every new moon in a cardinal sign and be like, okay, what was started? Okay, now what am I adding to? Okay, where are we going? And I really got excited mm-hmm. when I saw that. And then I saw that second new moon in Aries, which also correlates to the nodal axis shift Mm -hmm. of 2023, which I would love for you to share more info about. So I want to back up on that other, the first new moon as well. And you mentioned this cross quarter, right? Of course, it happens on the spring equinox, which also happens to be astrologically the new year. So one of the things I want to highlight is because, quote, January, the Gregorian New Year is slower, understand that, you know, really the new year kicks off in March. If we're going to, if we're going to be, quote, technical about it, it kicks off in March. But yes. So what we're finding is, or what's kind of happening is March and April, we are getting these, both of these new moons, specifically in April, we receive a new moon in Aries. It's an eclipse and it's the first eclipse in the Libra Aries series. 
we are going to be kind of cycling through finishing up the Taurus Scorpio series that we've had in 2022 and now moving into something completely new. We will be carrying themes around like pleasure and resource, right? And excavation from that Taurus Scorpio. But that tends to now shift more into like identity, inclusion, individuality, cohesion, collaboration, right? And so the through lines there kind of become relation. Who are you relating to? What are you relating to, right? Where are we in the spectrum of things? Thinking about Libra in that sense of balance. I view Libra often as a duality. So similar to Gemini, similar to Pisces, there's this kind of liminality that exists in Libra that sometimes we forget about. You know, indecisiveness is often really just that space of kind of another form of integration, right? Sitting there, taking it all in and figuring out, okay, how and where am I going? And what are all the connection points in between? Then seeing Aries coming through with this point of clarity of innate understanding around the word self, right? What does self mean? What does it mean to me, right? And how does myself or me, how do I show up to others and in community with others too? So I find that these eclipses in Aries and Libra are going to really create this me and we kind of dynamic showing up, which you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you talked a little bit about this in 2022 with lover's year, right? Kind of that mirroring balance reciprocity. Yeah. Also for listeners, I want to highlight this first eclipse season Mm -hmm. as having very, but either like weird wonky in between feelings of like one step forward, two steps back, having to sort of heal or clear up something related to these themes of Taurus and Scorpio or whatever house it may sit in or where your moon is or where your Venus is or where your Mars is. Because when we're in the middle of an eclipse season that has, you know, the new moon in this case is in Aries Mm -hmm. and the full moon is in Scorpio, Scorpio. Mm -hmm. it's going to feel strange. I don't like Juxtaposed almost. Like, yeah, it is going to feel strange. And it's interesting because I think some of the things that I'm, feeling kind of coming out of the Taurus Scorpio is sustainability. So it's kind of what's sustainable for you must be sustainable for others. And then that in turn kind of bleeds into or leads into a little bit of that Libra Aries kind of dynamic of like the relation and relating. But it will feel odd because we'll have this Aries initiate, initiate, and then we'll have this Scorpio go in, right? And just kind of like this fullness, like in the in the underbelly, I guess. It's interesting too thinking about this shift because both Aries and Scorpio have this Mars connection, mm-hmm. and both Libra and Taurus have this Venus connection. And of course, I think about acting out your values mm-hmm. too. Is like okay. You've been thinking, you've been ruminating on resource, relationships, death, the body, the earth, so on and so forth. Now, how are we going to instigate? How are we going to change certain things so that our external behaviors 
and communications and expressions reflect that deeper, more somatic, more kind of underbelly, subconscious, regenerative foundation that hopefully we've been spending energy and time trying to set forth. So if you're listening to this now in January, you have a nice little heads up, Mm -hmm. thinking about, okay, how am I going to be able to live my truth, live my purpose, live out my gifts? Anthony and I talked all about this in our last Mm -hmm. episode together, so you can review that for the hot takes, you know, so that when the eclipses come, it's not a surprise or jarring. It's more like a clearing. Composting is a word I would give it. Yes. Eclipses to me are the portal. Like mm-hmm. they are so such a healing accelerant and that they really give and they really take. Mm-hmm. They really give and they really take. And I see that probably highlighted, especially with this eclipse series in April. So we have this very Aries nature of kind of the beginning. And Scorpio to me is where we kind of come to in May at that full moon eclipse in Scorpio. It is the composting, right? But it's the intimacy too. I view Scorpio is extremely intimate. So how do you get more intimate with yourself? How do you get more intimate with what's going on? Let's go back even to that Mars energy, active healing, right? Let's go back to that Mars retrograde. Let's reflect back onto that period. What were we working through? Maybe further integration, maybe even motion now based on some of those things that we were working through then. And of course, eclipses happen over a longer period of time, 18-month cycles. So the one that we're beginning in April with Aries, it's only just the starting point. And the ones that we're finishing this year in Taurus and Scorpio, that's still carrying through in some way, right? It doesn't just end when it ends. Whoever started that rumor, so rude. Literally. So inaccurate. First of all, I would like to talk to their manager. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, and I always like to tell people when eclipses come up, look back at the last time we experienced those series. 2014, we had eclipses in Aries and Libra. What was going on in your life in 2014? It's the best of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, you know, I think about that time for me personally, and I had a lot happen. It was actually a very like empowering year for myself. And now I'm like looking at these upcoming and I'm like, okay, I know how to use this. I know what I've done before, what worked, what didn't. And like, how do you move with it? I want to ask you your thoughts on the importance of intimacy. Mm, 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 mm. I'm very big into intimacy. I truly think it's extremely important, not just with other people, the intimacy that you cultivate, but even the intimacy, intimacy you cultivate with yourself, right? So how do you, like, I don't know, like, how do you kind of pull yourself in a little bit more and possibly even begin to I have a lot of inner dialogue that happens, right? Where intimacy is connected to play, connected to pleasure. It's connected to creation for me. But intimacy is also connected to subtlety and quietness and stillness. And so for me, when I am still, I'm intimate with myself, right? When I'm still with my partner, I'm intimate with him. So it's important because to me, it's foundational. 
if you don't have intimacy with yourself or someone that you're really close to, it feels like you lack sometimes trust in that person or yourself to feel like you can give up so vulnerably and vulnerability and intimacy to me go hand in hand. I also am thinking about honesty Mm -hmm. and courage and being brave enough to show up around this time, being brave enough to show up as your true self or a more truer self that has emerged as a result of all this self-inquiry, this shadow work, these different perspectives. I really see this particular time period of this eclipse, this particular eclipse season as real rebirth, Mm -hmm. like of the self. Um, And the reason why I wanted you to speak a little bit about intimacy is because I think that is required. We have to really be able to be honest about our needs and our desires, Mm -hmm. truly, like what we really want. And we also have to be willing to be accountable to ourselves to really look at, am I being the thing I want? Am I acting in a way that I value? Mm -hmm. Is it radical authenticity, right, in a sense, in, in the way that you kind of put yourself out there and you are vulnerable enough to be who you really are, right? Show your face forward. And I also wanna highlight with this Aries, energy, being brave enough and courageous enough to show up with your gifts and your talents, because so many of us think that we're someone Mm -hmm. and certain aspects of, in quotes, the self, we're bringing it back to this Aries, this Mars, capital S, um, maybe lowercase s, actually. I'd give it a lower. Is Yeah, you know what I'm going to say already, my little psychic friend is this constructed persona we have created to survive, we've created to keep us safe, we've created to be lovable, to be liked, and also we've created to not shine, not stand up responsibility, not have to be accountable to our gold, to our brilliance. And I really see this year as such a pivotal year to renegotiate what your lowercase self is and what that uppercase self is and to be brave enough to say, you know what, actually, I'm a genius. Or, you know what, what would this look like if I really stepped into my zone of genius or my more empowered self, my brave self. And that's why I really wanted to underscore your piece about Scorpio and intimacy and the self and who we think we are. (laughs) Perception. (laughs) Yeah. Versus um, how we're showing up. Mm -hmm. To be is to be perceived, right? In some cases. But then who's doing the perceiving? Is it you? Listen, babe, we could like be here all day with this. We could have 17 workshops. We could, we're going, I mean, we're just in dialogue (laughs) about this. So, okay. So these are the eclipses. Anthony, what do you think for taking January, February, March, 
what is your advice or what are you thinking about in terms of collaborating with the energies we we talked about just for that those little time period? I think for me, reaction versus reception. I think it's some things I've been really like ruminating on in general. So if we're starting off slowly with this Mars retrograde and we're building up to more Martian energy coming in like, you know, March and April with the eclipses, it's like, what are we reacting to? Are we being proactive? Are we reacting, right? What are we receiving, right? Reception. I think there's also like that initiation and relation that kind of goes into it. I think the advice here is first to watch, to listen, to pay attention to yourself, right? Notice the themes that come up for you um, from a very technical standpoint. Look at your chart, see where maybe Aries and Libra fall, right? Taurus and Scorpio fall. Understand what those eclipses may look like. But again, I also think going back, right? Understanding what 2014 maybe brought up for you in certain themes might be very helpful. I also think for me, starting to carve out and create who and what you can be vulnerable with and around, right? If you're going to be showcasing new pieces of yourself, if you're going to have the courage and bravery to be yourself, then with whom? Where do we begin? And what does that look like? Is it soft? Is it just a feeling? I love that so much. I wanted to talk about a couple of the other things <laughs> being, yeah, just a few. There's so much going on, friends. We decided we couldn't even. So Can't. we're just sort of, we're giving you a little hors d'oeuvre. Also because Anthony is going to be teaching a workshop very, very soon on how to work with the things we've talked about, the things we've brought up, give some how-tos, do some experientials. So we just wanted to give you a little hors d'oeuvre, but I, I can't not ask you about we've got some pluto (laughs) we've got some jupiter we've got our little friend named saturn Mm. and they're all switching Mm -hmm. signs between march and may so again we've got a slower vibey vibey maybe more internal kind of start Mm -hmm. and then there's this shift Mm -hmm. so jupiter in Taurus. Yeah. So I love Jupiter and Taurus, actually. What I love about this is that we're going from Jupiter and Aries to Jupiter and Taurus, and the eclipses are going from Taurus and Scorpio to Aries and Libra. So there's this kind of reciprocal relationship sort of happening there, right? The ways in which that we've experienced the eclipses in Taurus and Scorpio, we're now going to start to see some growth, right, happening in that area, possibly. Praise goddess. (laughs) It's it, there's a sense of abundance of pleasure, right? There's this abundance of creation. This we're kind of reinforcing our concepts of value and self worth. I think here too, right? I often view Taurus as like worthiness, and so when I have Jupiter here, it's like your worth goes beyond what you own, beyond the material, but it it, it, it expands, right? So what does worth mean to you? I think is one of the things I would really think about in Jupiter and Taurus, and what do you find valuable? And also, there is this interplay where, like, Jupiter is in Aries for a hot minute really fast. So it's because, so the Pisces, Jupiter and Pisces did the same thing. It's because we had, like, part of the year in 2022 with Jupiter and Aries, right? It dipped back in Pisces towards the end. And then from, like, the pretty much like December midpoint to, like, May, we get Jupiter and Aries again. So it's kind of like finishing up what we started that last summer, essentially. And then we'll move on to the next. 
Yeah, that was so fast. So Jupiter and Taurus, we're thinking about worth. Maybe we're also thinking about stabilizing what we wanted to stabilize while Jupiter was in Aries, Mm -hmm. depending on what was going on for us, what we wanted to expand. You know, it's always so weird for me. Aries is like always such a weird archetype for me because it's my 12th house. Mm. So for me, it always, and I, I think I only have like an asteroid there. I don't, there's not like much going on over in that part. And I feel the farthest away. Like I feel like literally the farthest away from this archetype, right? Which makes complete sense. So like, what do you think, what do you think Jupiter and Aries also again, beginning this year, Mm -hmm. what are some of the, what are some of the challenges and what are some of the opportunities with this signature? So I think um, what are you fighting for, right? And what are you fighting about conflict, right? What is the conflict? But I think championing, like what are you championing moving forward, right? Who do you champion? And then, you know, you talked about being your 12th house. It's subconscious, right? That for you is subconscious from a, from more of a collective standpoint, this might be more in people's faces, right? If you have Aries in the seventh house, or if you have Aries rising or something along those lines, people who have strong fire energy in your chart will probably feel pretty expansive with Jupiter and Aries, I would say. Um, there's a lot of momentum. There's a lot of pick me up that happens with Jupiter and Aries. But then what happens is, is what happens to that fire once it's ignited, right? Does it create a wildfire or does it just the spark go out immediately? We need Jupiter and Taurus, actually, to help us sustain, going back to that idea of like Taurus and sustainability. I often view Taurus as the foundation of Aries. And so similar to like the second house as the foundation of the first, it's like, what are your morals, ethics, beliefs, values, self-worth? Like, what's the concreteness of what you've begun in Jupiter and Aries? So take the idea and then... I also just feel like there's so much opportunity for innovation around sustainability and innovation around value and resource. As we all know, it can go either way. <laughs> it usually goes in the not mm-hmm. so cute. <laughs> but and but and also, I really do think like sky is the limit if we're ha- if we have all this rebirth energy, all this ignition energy, if we're really wanting to implement serious changes collectively and personally in our lives, mm-hmm. I think like this is the time to learn how to garden. This is the time to say, you know what? I only want to work three and a half or four days a week. This is the time to say, you know what? I want to make a living being exactly who I am. This is the time to link up with activists, with your local orgs. Like This is such a great time for all of those kinds of activities. And then I want to shift into the other thing that happens in March, actually, which is Saturn in Pisces. Yeah, I love this. Is that weird? They feel so different, and yet they feel like they work. (laughs) Do you know what I wrote for my notes? I wrote, Saturn in Pisces feels both good and weird. (laughs) Oh, my God. I I know. it's. I was like, this feels weird, but good. I have this take where I'm like, okay, Saturn in Pisces – Let's take responsibility for our brilliance, our art, our Mm -hmm. creativity, our spirituality. Let's get 
disciplined around intangibilities. <laughs> yep. So it's funny. Traditionally, Saturn finds, quote, house of joy, quote, in the 12th house, which is Pisces has a connection to that 12th house, the liminal, the spiritual blurring of the lines, right? And I think it's because one of the things that Saturn learns through Pisces, Saturn learns through the 12th house, is one, experiential wisdom, but two, that structure is flexible. And I think that that's one of the biggest things that we can just embody in general. I think that sometimes we don't have to define completely. There's a sense of surrender that happens, I think, too, in Saturn and Pisces. More personal, not like sacrifice, not like sacrificial, right? But right, I, right. I also think that there's this embodiment or like this marriage or connection of, of like the inner you and the external, right? The soul, the body, the mundane and the magical. We sort of take away the, this capitalistic idea of Saturn and achievement and we move it towards this kind of space of, um, fertility. I think in the 12th house, very Pisces, Pisces is very fertile sign, right? Quote unquote, it's creative. And has a connection to Jupiter. And so there's this like this expansion kind of happening with Saturn. It's taking everything that we've had with all these Saturnial energy, Saturn and Capricorn, Saturn and Aquarius, right? All this structure, structure, structure. And we've been working hard to redefine and reframe. And so now what do we do with those pieces that are left over? Do we need to name them? Do we have to be rigid with them? Can they be flexible? Can they be malleable? Can they be mutable? Also ancestral healing, I feel like, like, oh, I, I feel like that. timeline jumping or t- like non nonlinearity of time through future travel, astral t- travel, going backwards, and also not needing, I love what you said about, you know, we don't, maybe we don't need to label, maybe we don't need to get hung up on what this is. <laughs> You know, Mm -hmm. maybe we can think about how this feels and let that be the communication instead of having to put like a box around it. Like, how can it just be? It's feelings, really. Like, that's mostly what it is. I think about Pisces. I think about vibes. It is. It's compassion. It's forgiveness, right? It's the idea of releasing guilt. Pisces Virgo axis really has this quote, guilt kind of martyrdom that it gets like right. archetypally thrown at it. But I want to change that a little bit and look at this more from a place of like forgiveness, right? Forget the guilt part. Like it's time to forgive. And what are we forgiving, right? And maybe moving beyond, I don't know, swimming into our emotional depths, I would say, in this space. And with the vibes and the emotions, like remembering with the spiritual discipline piece, remembering that we generate our emotions. And I love how you brought up earlier this idea of like action and reactivity, mm-hmm. because I'm like, okay, well, Saturn and Pisces can really help us to manage our emotions, to set the tone of our energy and our vibration and our resonance, and to remember that my reality might not be your reality. Mm-hmm. And you don't make me you're not like making me feel bad. You know, that statement, if you've been with anyone long enough, you made me so mad, you know, or like you made my nervous system get dysregulated. It's like, did I? I wasn't trying to. Like, I I just, I just didn't put the dishes away. Like, you know, like, I'm just, <laughs> I'm joking. Like, if only, but anyway, no, actually, the, that is what me and my partner kind of go off about the little things, thank goodness. But anyway, so I think about that too, where it's like, 
have some responsibility for your energy. Have some responsibility for your spiritual practice. Like, are you impressing God? Mm. Is God impressed with you? And God will be impressed with you if you show up as your capital S self in the energy you were given and gifted on this planet. I think a lot about that transientness with Saturn and Pisces of like, you're here once in this body, but you are a spirit. Mm-hmm. So are we going to hang out with those more holographic, more infinite levels of ourselves and our perception and channel that? Or are we going to lean into resentment, blame everybody else? Like, you know, like the, I think there's like that interplay going on of me and we is like, well, how I can have a better we is by working on a better me. me. Right. And it starts at the loosening and unbinding, right? We think about Saturn feeling really rigid and sticky and it's like, well, it's unbinded a little bit, right? Flexible structure. Pisces is all about making it malleable. So let it melt away. Love. Last but not least, I just wanted to briefly give a heads up about our friend Pluto. Oh, Pluto. Pluto also changes signs. Mm-hmm. Pluto in May moves into Aquarius. March, I believe. It's- March. Pluto is teaching, or has been teaching us about the idea of, <laughs> <laughs> of power. Uh, right. Allegedly. Allegedly. Pluto, Pluto has allegedly. Yeah, whatever that we means. Don't want, don't want any lawyers coming no, for exactly. us. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Allegedly. The idea of power. How do we define it? Who has it? Who maintains it? I also think Pluto and Aquarius is very much so about like literally power to the people. Not a novelty. And there's this idea of power and collaboration and connection. And what can we, how do we shift the power dynamic, right? Away from those that are in charge and put it in the hands of those that have been oppressed, right? Those who have been harmed, disenfranchised. I also am viewing um, Pluto and Capricorn, which is what we're kind of finishing, has been a lot about like our earthly resources, what we've literally excavated from the land (laughs) and what we've exploited from the land. And since 2008, Pluto has been in Capricorn and that's been a major theme, right? Government structures fall into that too. Capricorn rules government structures. And Aquarius is much more about societal advancement, societal connection, and maybe the people, Aquarius, who've been exploited as well. So I would think obviously coming moving forward like over the next however many years pluto's in aquarius my brain isn't going to do the math right now it's totally fine but there's there's going to be a lot of bridges that we're going to have to build and connections that we're going to have to make and healing that we're going to have to do around exploitation of people and work and power and i could just <laughs> one of one of the themes that i channeled for 2023 is is conflict mm-hmm. and i think our relationship to conflict needs to radically be redefined and put into action. And it's so great because that really flows into so many of the other signatures. You know, this is why I love talking to you. (laughs) Other than the fact I just love you. Before our conversation, I was like a little bit WTF about the astrology. I was like, this is kind of rocky and odd. And now I'm like, oh, I like, I get it. Like, I understand how all of these parts are collaborating in unison. And I'm just wondering, like, 
let's go down some of the qualities and the themes that are either going to appear or that will be needed mm -hmm. to collaborate with these energies and with these shifts. You know, we highlighted relationships, mm -hmm. intimacy, mm -hmm. resources, mm -hmm. aligned action, mm -hmm. power to the people or structures mm -hmm. radically being altered and changed. You know, like what tools in our toolkit, you know, that's gonna be kind of the theme of my tarot workshop, but it also really was the theme of many moons. I was like, what needs to be in our toolkit so that we can navigate this rocky, ro it's going to be a rocky year. I think one of the things that I think we can really add to our toolkit is community in a sense, personally, like maybe that's more of a personal reflection, but especially the Pluto and Aquarius kind of energy to me, it's like, who are you in community with? And how does that play out in your life? And what power dynamics maybe need to shift within your own community, right? Because sometimes the things that happen in the world at large also happen at home simultaneously, or it starts there and it, you know, bursts outward. And so I think for me, a, a big thing is going to be around communing, community, that collaboration, like the actual people in your sphere. We did talk about intimacy and there's a lot of air energy, if you're noticing, right? Mars and Gemini, Pluto and Aquarius, right? There's a lot of air, Libra being part of the Eclipse series. And there's a lot of that dialoguing, a lot of that communication piece, ideals too. Like we move out of a place of so much grounding with all the Earth energy that we've experienced, right? Pluto and Capricorn and Saturn yeah. and Capricorn a while ago and Uranus and Taurus. And mm. we're moving into a much more like flexible place. So I think that's why I'm also calling to community because sometimes it anchors us, right? It helps us reconnect with ourselves and people around us. And it's our biggest resource. Yes. One of our bi very biggest resources. And in the spirit of that, Anthony is teaching our community a workshop to help us navigate all of this astrology in community. And that's how we heal and that's how we grow. It's such an important aspect of my work because we heal relationally and we heal when we are witnessed in compassion, mm -hmm. when we're given tools, when we grow and learn from each other. So if you are interested in signing up for that, the link will be in the show notes. Anthony, we're so honored to host your brilliance and your expertise. And I was just hoping, is there anything else you wanna you wanna share about the workshop or about anything else for this first start of a new year allegedly? <laughs> a new year allegedly. <laughs> is anything even new anymore? Hmm. I think maybe one of the things I would say as you start the year is possibly even, especially I'm thinking about Saturn and Pisces, maybe because I'm a Pisces sun, right? Is what sacrifices have we made to be in service? And I just think about that a lot. <laughs> and just with Saturn and Pisces, I think that's going to be a big theme in the new next two and a half years. So I've been thinking a lot about like sacrifice versus surrender too, as like ideas and like, what does that mean? Are they, where are they similar? Where are they different? Where, how do they fall on the spectrum? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. All really great food for thought that I'm sure we'll be touching upon mm -hmm. in the workshop as well. Thank you so much for being back here. This was just absolutely lovely. Once again, we will put 
all of this information in the show notes. Anthony, where can folks find you if they want to book a reading, if they want to follow you on Instagram? Let us know all of your info. Yes. So website www.parada.co. It'll be spelled out below. P-E-R-R-O-T-T-A is the last name. You can easily book with me there. You can sign up for my newsletter. I send out a newsletter three times a month. And then Instagram is AP underscore astrology. I also have a Patreon where I, speaking of community, have built my own small like community where I connect with people, um, give some mentorships, also kind of create some nice visuals and tarot and do kind of live chats with people. So that's pretty much where you can find me. <laughs> Just everywhere. Just, Just everywhere. here, there, and everywhere. Wherever you wonderful. want me to be. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever you think I am. I have such a wonderful day. Thank you, everyone, for listening to us. This was such a lovely conversation, and I will see many of you at Anthony's workshop. I can't mm-hmm. wait to dig in. Yay, bye. Bye. Okay, that's what we've got. If you want to go deeper with Anthony, sign up for our workshop this weekend. I really cannot wait. If you have been to one of my workshops and you've enjoyed them, I know you'll love Anthony's as well. They're that person that whenever I talk to them, I feel seen, inspired, and honestly, blown away. Blown away by their mix of intelligence and compassion. That's one of my favorite combinations, I think. That mix of compassion and consideration and heart and sensitivity, when it's combined with insights and intellectualism and deep thought, That's like one of my favorite things to experience and to be in collaboration with and to be in conversation with. And Anthony is just one of my favorite people for that specific, beautiful, expansive combo. So if you would like more insight and really just if you're looking for a good time, if you want to have some fun, be like a little transformed, maybe a lot transformed, you know, sign up for that workshop and I'll see you so soon. I'm sending you so much love, so much inspiration, and I hope you're staying warm. Take care.